0: hi i'm rebecca roberts hi i'm harriet small welcome to have you got five minutes the
1: pr comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked someone really quickly about at an event or while making a brew in the office hi harriet how are you doing i'm good how are you yeah fine thank you i feel like we've had an exciting weekend of sport back in our lives yes
0: so we had the kickoff of the Six Nations. We had all those matches going on. And then we also had the Super Bowl weekend, which had some interesting adverts. And thank you to John Harrington of um, PR Week, who has done a nice little roundup of the ad. So what were your favorite parts of
1: Super Bowl I always say, like, whoever wins the social media hit on Super Bowl kind of wins. But lots of stuff to discuss, like the Amanda Gorman was the first pope to perform. And um, the weekend's performance and the meme drama ads-wise. Yeah, leading up to the game, the Alexa one kind of amused me. The DoorDash one with Sesame Street is really catchy. And State Farm was, and Cheetos kind of, like, as you'd expect, were funny. Two kind of more storytelling ones for me were General Motors who did this Will Ferrell, quite a funny piece. The Toyota ad was kind of the main tearjerker, sort of picking up the story of Paralympic gold medalist Jess Long. My worst was Jeep, I don't know if you've seen that one, which is effectively they did this whole like reunited states message. And it just, I felt like they were just saying, like, all lives matter, but in an ad. It, it has not been received particularly well, that one.
0: Yeah, there was some there was some where I was just, like, wondering what how it had gotten approved. In terms of Oatly, I just... Yeah, I just thought, this is you trying to be
1: innocent and adding a lot of things that we don't need on top of this ad. The only one was funny, and the Reddit 5 Second, I thought really fitted with what they're doing. I think they really won the social media side, and maybe even Budweiser, because they donated all their ad spend to the vaccination effort in the States. Hyundai, the car company, they
0: were on Gary V's podcast, and they were talking about the fact that they're not going to be involved in the the Super Bowl this year they're going to take that budget and then spend it on smaller campaigns and I found that quite interesting so them saying like we're not doing the Super Bowl because it's just a massive budget and yet we can't measure the effectiveness across a long period of time so there were a lot of brands who sort of just said not this year um, either because of the pandemic and everything else that was going on I think also that the a lot of the ad's for all the shouting that went on last year with Black Lives Matter, a lot of the ads just weren't reflective and weren't diverse. And I just feel like it just didn't hit it right. I think the Matthew McConaughey one was a little odd, but that's the retos for you. They're always doing odd things.
1: But the online stuff is interesting. And there's some really great stuff from young people creating their own ads. So you kind of do wonder, like, some of the other stuff that's done around the Super Bowl, I always think is the more interesting one. And just from sports activation perspective, I mean, like, rugby has some odd ones right what was that stuff with amazon what was going on there
0: yeah so amazon web service is now sponsoring the six nations and it's the only the rest of the brands are consumer brands and they're brands that have sponsored um rugby or the six nations for a long time so like o2 guinness um and umbro but seeing amazon web service was quite strange and it's actually i actually went and did some research so Jeff Bezos's successor, Andy Jassy, is actually the CEO of Amazon Web Service. So I'm wondering whether it's about brand recognition and also um, the fact that Amazon Web Service is actually Amazon's big money item. So it'll be interesting to see if they, they sponsor more things and they're involved in more campaigns and they start rolling out that side of their business much more with the change of CEO
1: yeah it'll be really interesting to see And I just think sport this year is going to be a, an odd one just without the crowds there but like how brands feel like they're getting there I guess money's worth really it's from a cynical perspective
0: and I think also is is which brands are going to be there because if you've got a tech brand like this sponsoring rugby which is not a brand that most consumers can use what is it they hope to achieve
1: We might go over our usual shorter time because it's an area we felt needed to be talked about quite a bit, which was around um, the social media trolling and abuse, particularly aimed at women involved in sport and specifically women who are talking about men's sport
0: this goes back a long time and it's something that you sort of wish when it quietens down it's gone forever i think at the beginning of the year and end of last year there was a campaign hashtag i care because a lot of people leaving comments on female rugby players um posts on social and the red roses account saying who cares that you're playing who would go and watch a women's game anyway Would men um, pay to go and watch women's games? And then this past weekend, um, Maggie Alphonse and Daniela Waterman, um, aka Nolly, were um, commentating and doing parts of the media around the Six Nations match between France and Italy, and they got horrible sexist abuse on social media. Maggie's written a piece in Telegraph, and I think the thing is, when it comes to men's sport it's just really interesting that there is no regulation around what is approved on social media and then you subsequently have people sharing those same messages and I know it's a small minority but the thing is is that still impacts how people view the sport.
1: Hey so this week we've got um, Florence Lloyd-Hughes on and Florence is a freelance journalist, producer everything really, all things going, um, and has experienced her own not-so-great time of it with trolls and abusive um, sports fans, particularly when talking about football and men's football. So, Florence, what have you been going through?
2: Yeah, so I guess you kind of hinted at it there. I mean, most of it is framed around football, but for the last sort of three years or so, I've had difficulties on and off with people online, um, mainly men o- online, Um, mainly white men online um, throughout the last sort of three years. And most of it's been framed around one particular club. So I'm a QPR fan. I'm part of a sort of fans podcast. I have been for the last three, four years. And I also uh, cover the team for BBC Radio London. Yeah, for the last three years on and off, there's just been, you know, comments and messages and, Ranging, I guess, from kind of silly things, which you can kind of just laugh at, to more kind of uncomfortable, unsettling, uh, kind of, you know, bordering more on harassment and stuff about me and my family. Um, And I've always had a bit of a break between, I guess, each incident. But since the start of the year, it had been so frequent, so kind of common on a weekly, daily basis, that I just reached a bit of a tipping point. I guess, in order to take back control of the situation, I moved to make my social media, Twitter, and uh, Instagram private because I was, it kind of reached a tipping point where someone had set up an account that was pretty much solely based on talking about me and my family with screenshots of my Instagram pictures and just saying bizarre kind of weird strange things and then I kind of thought you know what actually this is getting to a point now where I don't necessarily feel safe and I kind of need to take control of the situation and maybe you know take this more seriously rather than just kind of brushing it off as the environment that we're kind of used to of like trolls is such a common common thing within our world now online and offline that you're just so used to it that actually maybe I hadn't been taking it seriously enough whereas it got to a point when I was like actually do you know what I need to step in now. I reported it to the police which has kind of been a bit of a lengthy exhausting process I guess helps because you're taking it seriously in your mind and I think also I tweeted about the fact I was taking it to the police, and the person that had created this strange account deleted that account within minutes of me tweeting that. So I think for me, it kind of signaled that, like, I was I wasn't playing games anymore. Like, this may be a game to some people, but like, I'm taking control of the situation now. And people have said to me, I guess in a a, not in a positive way, but in an honest way, they've said to me, you know, like this with the industry that you're in and what you do this isn't going to end. You're always going to get stuff like this because you're a woman that works in football and you like to put your opinions on the internet and you like to put your opinions anywhere and people often don't like that. So although, you know, that's a bit crap, it's kind of the harsh reality. At the moment, I'm trying to sort of come to terms with how do I balance that with still wanting to have a voice? And I think having my profiles as private the time being has kind of given me back that control because I was finding that I had lots of people that weren't following me were constantly screenshotting what I was tweeting screenshotting my pictures and basically having a conversation about me or talking about me or like googling my family and all that stuff is online so you know there's not much I can do about it because once you once that information is online you can't really take it back but this at the same time it just felt like I was almost being like watched. So I just thought, you know what, these people don't want to follow me, if they're not interested in my content, why am I giving them the bait? Because it was was just, even if I wasn't tweeting about football or QPR, you know, something about politics or something, about something really random, I would just get a message underneath someone saying, you know, you're a C word or something like that. And my, one of the ways that I dealt with it was, I always tried to kind of like laugh at it because, You know, that's a way that I kind of help process things to stay positive is like, you know, lol, these people are quite funny. But even when I used to make a joke out of it, people would still comment, you know. So, so for example, a few weeks ago before I ended up making everything private and taking it to police, I tweeted something like, congratulations to all the people who have uh, advanced from being muted to being blocked I'm really proud of your progress or something in a jokey way because you know that was the way that I got through it um and someone just commented underneath saying another mature and smart response from you or something like that and I thought do you know what if I, I can't win like if I you know if you fight back it's exhausting and you won't get anywhere trust me I've I've that I tried that three years ago, and you don't—you'll never win. And then if you try and laugh it off, they still come for you. So actually, I thought, you know what? That's it. It's all going private, and it has been better since. And you know, it—it—it it, it will affect the number of social media followers I have, and whether or not that affects my work, I don't know. But so much of the sports sector and like working in broadcasting is unfortunately about social media following now. My, I've certainly had lots of follower requests that those are people that would have been able to follow me straight away but then i now have control because i can approve those people and i think that is kind of a reassuring thing it's it's mad isn't it because a lot of the
1: common sort of response to anyone experiencing trolling is like about having thick skin and it's part of the industry and i suppose you know we speak to sort of social media managers that manage accounts that get a lot of abuse and that's not even like individual like for you it's it's not just like oh it's a bad day and people are pushing back it's really negative and vicious and I suppose that's like quite hard like to emotionally deal with because you know we spoke before because my brother had trolling he's journalist and like was having death threats and and it was ridiculous and he tried to do the humorous thing and then he was like do you know what I am exhausted I'm just gonna take a bit of a break and he is like you he'll go through phases of things kind of passing down and like going quiet but he's a journalist he doesn't write hateful material but he has an opinion and I suppose particularly for women in sport, you know, we saw Mag Maggie Alfonso the weekend, like, it's just so, it's so aggressive. The response to having any opinion, like, I, like what are the coping mechanisms? You shouldn't feel like you should have to be silenced to, to kind of cope with it. But obviously for you personally, that's kind of where you're at.
2: Yeah. And I think the, the conversations come up a lot recently with so much racist abuse that a lot of footballers have been suffering on, on social media and People have asked them, you know, oh, should some footballers come off social media as a protest? But, you know, that is, that is, in my opinion, just letting those horrible people win. And in some ways, me restricting my profile, I felt like, you know, if I did that, am I letting them win? Because I'm saying, you've brought me to this point. You've taken me to this point. I mean, Monroe Bergdorf, she closed her Twitter account down the other day because... She's receiving so much abuse, so many transphobic messages, and she's tired of it. And I think, like you said about your brother, like it is exhausting. It is exhausting, and I have I have felt a lot better since taking those those precautions. And whereas previously, where I might have just like laughed it off or ignored it and blocked instantly, which you know in the first kind of time I started getting it three years ago I used to try and fight people and like prove prove a point and actually there's no point because these people they don't want a conversation they're, they're not here to listen you know, that's Twitter kind of in a nutshell with how conversations run on there so I soon kind of realized that wasn't the way forward so I then moved to just like blocking and muting people and not engaging but then I realized that they were still going to kind of find me. I then changed my security settings so that I wouldn't receive notifications from people that didn't have their number confirmed because then you kind of weighed out a lot of the kind of anonymous accounts. But that still wasn't enough. So this was kind of, I guess, like the last straw. And oh, I guess the last, last straw would be completely deleting my accounts. But I feel like that would be definitely letting... Letting those people win, and yeah, I mean, I totally think that social media companies can do so much more to to protect people. And the the people who have been, you know, sending me weird messages or writing stuff about me and my family will no doubt just pop up on another account and just you know start all over again. But I'm trying to kind of restrict their access to me as much as possible. But it is. really difficult. Thank you for
0: being so open and I don't think I can imagine what that's like but from what I hear from you and from many other people is you have to take the action yourself so where does the responsibility lie with the social media companies and their policies and I know some people have said social media companies should start enforcing um, identification checks where people have to actually register on a site as you would do for say for example a bank or utility bill where people where people know where you are and if something happens and the police can easily track you so I just wanted to sort of ask you what do you think is the sort of way forward because this does take a toll, and it happens to you and you find a coping mechanism, but then doesn't that deter other people who would want to come into the industry as broadcasters, as journalists, especially women? Um, we've heard so many other people say they've struggled with online abuse, um, especially like in rugby, that I follow quite a lot. And it does limit then how many women, how many people of colour are participating in on the media side. Um, so just wanted to get your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, I think for me, I don't want other people to have to go through the same nonsense. And I think, yes, even if the social media companies up some of their security and kind of admin, these people still exist in society. So you're pushing them offline or off those platforms, but they still exist. But I think there's still certain things that social media companies could do. I don't agree with the ID verification thing, in some ways, you know, some people will still do that, even if they have to scan their passport in. Um, I think it, or it also already kind of puts pressure and puts um marginalized communities who are already at risk on those platforms at more risk because you know some of them may be hiding their identity for their own safety because they feel like they'll be targeted on the platform um or they may not feel safe sharing that information and then you also are potentially restricting people in poorer countries who don't have the resources like you know how many people in the US don't even have a passport <laughs> if we're going to start re- <laughs> enforcing those sort of things i think I think that's a step too far. And I don't think it's the one-stop shop solution that so many people necessarily think it is because over the past weeks with everything that's going on in football and rugby, people have just been enforcing that line and saying, you know, we need ID, we need... Like, the reality is the the companies and the intelligence services, they can find these people through cybercrime resources, through IP addresses, through all the things that have gone to court have done so because of that information that they've tracked down. I think there's there's a monitoring issue with these social media companies where everything is computerized. You know the reporting functions, which at the moment aren't serving uh, aren't serving a purpose, are all computerized, and therefore you know it's about what the computers are set up to register. And we saw this with the fact that um, Twitter said that it wasn't going to remove uh, people's accounts, or it wasn't going to register, I can't remember the exact, exact thing, if they were using the monkey emoji in a racist way, because it, they in their interpretation of it, it doesn't necessarily it come across as racist in their eyes. Whereas if you had a human function to that, a human reporting tool, if they spent money on humans monitoring the platform and not AI robots who are scanning things for context so much of it is about context and even when it's not about context you've just got people posting endless you know monkey emojis on on footballers pages and rugby players pages and how that is not getting pinged up on some sort of AI platform means there is something fundamentally wrong with your monitoring and evaluation of your platform and I think that is the issue here is for too long those pl- those companies and those platforms have been prioritizing money over user welfare and now is the time for them to change that dynamic and spend more time on making sure people are protected because there's so many things that are falling through the net because it's not popping up on some automated thing that it's abusive and then if you report it like so many of the stuff that i've reported on twitter has never has never Fallen foul of their automated reporting thing you know i i've had a and i get a message saying oh thanks to this blah blah blah. we found that it hadn't violated our rules because there aren't you know buzzwords that pop up there's so much context emojis don't pop up or wherever it is that they it doesn't register and i think that is the that is really the fundamental issue and then also when you look at how this is dealt with in the criminal justice system. And I don't necessarily know enough about the criminal justice system, but I look at the case of Ian Wright, for example, where the young man who sent him loads of racist abuse barely got a slap in the wrist. And I think there are really, like there's not really any consequence for this. And I think it's a combination of the two that needs to change because I think it will get to a point where where high profile people like Monroe Bergdorf, like you know loads of footballers, will get pretty cheesed off and go elsewhere and I think we are reaching a tipping point now, I hope, with pressure from especially the powers that be in football who you know have come together and I think frustratingly put maybe too much of the blame on the social media companies, but I've put come together and said enough is enough, as well as, you know, the general public and players that there is pressure now for the platforms to do something. And I know um, Facebook has um, made a stance in terms of, I think last week they said that they were going to stop people from setting up accounts on Instagram or Facebook, if they'd previously failing to, you know, meet the or violating the rules, whatever it may be. So I think it's a shame that it's, it's taken this much to to get to that point, but there's certainly a lot more that could be done because, yeah, people are just kind of getting away with with whatever they want.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just—I think it's a cultural thing when people have got away with it and they are used to. You know, there's that case where the guys were—they sent an abusive email, but it was linked to his work email, and so he was like out of his employer's being as behaving that way. And it's just like, why would you not? That's the whole thing, I guess, with the idea with that accountability, saying like, so you've got to stand by your opinion and be public with it if you're going to have a offensive opinion. And I think that would, wouldn't would solve all of it, but it would cut a lot of people off going, actually, if I've got to put my real name to it or if I'm going to stand out in public and say that this is my view. But I just think as society, it's become people are desensitised and they just don't see it.
2: So someone I know whose dad made a joke made a joke about Bill Gates and the vaccine and got a 12-hour suspension from Twitter. And that on the, uh, you know, violation rules is the same as someone who's been sending racist abuse on on twitter some you know people are getting 12 hour breaks basically to say you've been naughty sit on the naughty step for 12 hours people are getting suspended from the platform for a year for showing a dodgy clip of the premier league like the rights holders in, at this point care more about their content not getting shared, and then them not getting their fair share, then actually the welfare of the players, the fans, the managers. Steve Bruce just this week talked about the fact that he's been sent death threats via his family's accounts. He doesn't even have social media accounts, but his family are getting sent these death threats. And that is not getting taken seriously. But sharing a clip of Lionel Messi in the Champions League, you know, illegally gets you banned off for a whole year it just it's not logical and I think it's it's a prioritization thing it's just money at the end of the day but I think we we will see some change because the last few weeks have felt like um they have had a bigger impact than previously
0: for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes
1: we're here to answer the questions you need answers to and talk about the pr communications and marketing topics you care about because we've got five minutes
0: you can dm us or contact myself harriet at CondoveraCoffee.com and rebecca at threadandfable.com
1: if you're enjoying the podcast please do rate review and subscribe so others can find us find us on twitter at
0: rebecca7roberts and at harriet